Pop Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Well, hello again, Love Rants listeners. It is so nice to be back. I am, of course, your host, Melissa Mason. And I'm actually just going to reintroduce myself in case you missed who I was last time or you're just starting to listen to the podcast now. If so, go back and listen to our first episode. It is great. Um, And then go on from there. But basically, look, I am probably, I guess I would say I'm known in Australia for talking very, very openly about my dating life, about love, about relationships. I was single for like 10 years and I was just always writing about my dates and and writing about like dating stuff and talking about that stuff online as well on my social media uh, just because I felt I kind of actually honestly wanted some advice from other people on the internet, but also it just makes us all feel a bit less alone when we're all talking about this stuff, right? Like if you know that other people are being you know, ghosted, it's great. It's a great feeling, you know? So basically I was single for about, I'd say 10 years with like a few short-term boyfriends in the mix. Um, but like nothing really stuck. I went through all the dating apps. Oh my gosh. I have literally dated so much of Sydney that when I go out now, I almost am guaranteed to run into an ex, which is fun for me. But now I have a lovely boyfriend um, and we've been together for two and a bit years. Oh my gosh, that's gone fast. And we have a little dog together, Teddy, and we live together and that all went really quickly. We met right at the beginning of the second COVID lockdown and we'd moved in together after three months, which was a bit chaotic, but I don't know, when you're in love, you're in love and things are good, but I'm still really open on social media about our relationship and kind of the ups and downs and like the normal stuff because, you know, I think you go through all your single years and you meet somebody and you think it's like a fairy tale and that that's it and then it's just going to be perfect. You've met the one, yay, let's, you know, ride off into the sunset on horses or whatever and it really isn't like that and particularly I think when you've been single for quite a while or you've been single particularly in this period of life, like modern love is so weird we go on all these dates, we get, you know, ghosted and orbited and and breadcrumbed and all the other dating terms that you all know of. Um, and then some that you don't, you know, so much happens that I think when you finally get to the stability and and comfort and, and support of a loving long-term relationship, it can actually be a bit jarring. Um, and that's what I like to talk about nowadays is just the realities of love. It's not always smooth sailing emotionally or like relationally, you know, we'll still have fights. I particularly go through 
um, a lot of relationship anxiety, which I will talk about later in this episode, uh, which, you know, I feel like wasn't really being talked about online much. But every time I talk about it, I get so many people in my DMs being like, oh, my God, thank you for letting me feel normal. I'm so glad someone else feels this. And hey, it's me. I do. But look, today's episode is actually just going to be me. And I'm just going to run through some questions um, I basically put out on social media, like ask me anything, AMA, as we do. And I got some really good relationship questions back and dating questions and life questions kind of, and I really want to dig into them. So I'm going to kick it off with Sophie. She's 24 from Sydney. And she wrote, I really like the guy I'm seeing, but... All of a sudden, his jokes are annoying me. I used to think that they were so funny until recently. What is wrong? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I think everybody listening immediately is like, ick, ick, ick. Sophie's got the ick. Sophie's got the ick. Run away. End that in that dating thing. It's over. Um, if you're not familiar with the ick, it is essentially when you are seeing somebody and you know, you're obsessed with them, you think they're incredible, you go on all these great dates, everything's hot and sexy, you can't stop thinking about them. And then all of a sudden, they will do or say something. And it is so off putting that you literally want to run for the hills and you're disgusted by it. And I think, look, like it can be a thing that they, you know, previously you really enjoyed, but but always there is this factor of you did really like them, you really were into them, and then something super innocuous has tipped you the complete other way. So it's not – we're not talking about the same thing of like when you go on a date with this person and you like them heaps and you keep seeing them and then one time like you go to a restaurant and they're like super rude to the waiter and you suddenly see this other side to them. We're not talking about that kind of like red flag stuff. We're talking more about like silly things like – it bounces off the table and you suddenly are disgusted by their running or like my personal example was when I was seeing this guy and we were hooking up and when he took off his red pants he had matching red underwear on which is not even his fault like he probably didn't even think about that in the morning but for some reason <laughs> I was so put off by that and I just could not keep seeing him. Now back to Sophie's personal dilemma. So I think, Sophie, that your situation is actually what I like to call the temporary ick. And this is the kind of ick where if you really liked this person up until this point and suddenly you're completely put off them, my advice is push through that feeling. Give it a little bit of time. I'm not talking like date them for another year. I'm not even talking date them for like another month. I'm saying like really sit and go, why is this coming up? Is this coming up because I don't actually like this person? Or is this coming up because maybe I'm getting a bit scared of commitment? Maybe I, my, just my feelings are overwhelming me and I'm like slowing myself down or something. Cause I do feel like I get the ick in like every relationship I've ever been in. And it always 100% was because I was deeply afraid of commitment and I'd reached some sort of subconscious point where I was tipping over from just liking this person. They're kind of fun. They're great to be around into, oh my gosh, like I am invested in this person. And if they left me, 
I will actually be hurt and devastated. Um, and it was almost like my body's reaction to that and being like, okay, I'm going to make you re- be really disgusted by their hair in the morning, even though before you thought they were cute all the time or like that particular shirt that they wear, you now find repulsive. You know how I know it's silly is that once I had this ex and I started getting the ick for them and they had this shirt that I hated and they would wear it and it would make me repulsed and I would just be like, ugh, I don't know, I can't like look at this guy. And then they actually broke up with me, um, for, not because of the shirt, lol, just for other reasons. And I was devastated. And then I like we had mutual friends and I saw him again in that shirt and I was just so attracted to him. Like my all my icks went out the window and I was just like devastated and in love and obsessed with him. And that's why I feel like it's worth stopping and thinking about whether the icks that you're feeling are genuinely about not liking a person. Now, flip side, Red Undies guy. I don't think I ever liked Red Undies guy. And when I got that ick, I think that was genuinely just like the final straw for me because I had no problem walking away from that little dating thing. I had literally zero care about walking away from it. I think we like hooked up that night and then I never spoke to him again. I don't think about him except as this cute little throwback memory. Like I honestly, it was not difficult to leave him. So Sophie, it sounds like you want to still see this guy. You really liked him. And maybe it's worth just seeing if those feelings pass or kind of digging deep into yourself to see where they came from. Okay, so the next question is about age gaps. And I get this question a lot on Instagram because my partner Tom is 10 years younger than me and I really didn't expect to end up with a guy who was in his 20s. So I'm 37 I was 35 when I met Tom. He was 25. And the only reason we met was because Paul Mescal, as in the guy from Normal People, the really hot actor that we're all obsessed with, he was in Sydney and there were all these rumors flying that he was on Hinge and he was going to all the bars that I live near and like going to netball, like literally the netball courts that I play on um, because apparently he's just really chill and he just like goes and hangs out wherever he's filming. He was in town to film a movie. Anyway, I was like, uh, I was single. I'd just come off the back of someone kind of dumping me and I was like, mm, I think it's time for me to hook up with Paul Mezcal. That's what's going to happen. So I went on my dating apps and I lowered my age. Like, you know how you have your age bracket that you're searching within? So mine was, I think, like 29 to 40 because I thought, oh, look, I think I could date a 29-year-old. I think I could date a 40-year-old. I don't think I could date younger than 29, like feasibly in terms of feeling like they would be serious about a relationship. So I found out that Paul Mezcal was actually 23. Alarming, alarming to find out, but I was still like, you know what? It's Paul Mezcal. I have to like give it a crack. So I lowered that age down to 23. And all of a sudden, all these really hot guys were coming up in my area. And I was like, damn, I have been missing out. There are some babes around here under 29. And then I thought, okay, now I'm just going to have like a hot fling with some younger guy and feel really amazing. And that will like bounce me back from my breakup. It'll feel great. And so I started like matching with, you know, younger guys. And one of them was my partner, Tom. 
and he was really funny. We were just having good chat on Messenger and then he asked me out. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we went on a date and it was great. I honestly wouldn't say it was like the best date in the entire world, which is like a whole other thing about like it's okay if your first date with someone isn't like the most magical thing ever. In fact, I actually think a slow burn is better in terms of long longevity than a immediate intense connection I'm not saying that if you have an immediate intense connection that it can't work but I really feel like it's the times that I've met someone and I've liked them but then it's grown and developed naturally and slowly those have lasted longer anyway that's an aside oh my gosh so many tangents so we just kept dating and then it got serious and I was really surprised by that but here we are so I'm with a guy who's 10 years younger than me Uh, That is a whole lot of chat from me to preface this question, which is from Amy33 in Sydney. And she says, how do you deal with people's opinions on your age gap in your relationship? And this is, yeah, like I said, this is one I get a lot. And I actually don't have heaps of personal experience advice here because we don't get a lot of weird questions about it. Like, I get along with Tom's friends. He gets along with my friends. Um, He also, I always say he's like an old man (laughs) in like a 27-year-old's body. He's just really like not a massive partier. He's really chill. I guess we kind of like I've never acted my age and I've always acted younger and I feel like he acts older. So I almost feel like we meet in the middle in a way behavior-wise. I'd say I've gotten a few questions. I usually get questions around like like the opinions are like, oh, but like he'll never be ready to like have kids when you're going to want to have kids Um, and he's not going to want to settle down um, and all of that stuff. And I guess my answer to that has always been that I dated a guy who was like five years older than me, probably a couple or maybe like five years before I met Tom. And I would say at the time, that guy who would have been in his mid thirties then was less ready to settle down, less sure about what he wanted in life than Tom is now. And really what it comes down to, and I think everyone who's listening has had this experience, like have you not dated somebody who is older than you and on paper that should mean that they're like ready for kids and ready for marriage and ready to lock it in and and settle down and commit and they're just like a Peter Pan, like totally not there, like jumping all over the place, like – I don't know. I just don't think age has a lot to do with it. I do think you would maybe find more guys in their 20s or like 10 years younger than you, whatever your age is, that are not at that place. But I also think don't rule them out because of their age. And so I really encourage now single friends of mine to widen their like age preferences on like dating apps because you're not committing to dating somebody younger or older. Like you're just opening kind of the pool to see more people that are out there because sometimes you end up on the apps for ages and you're just like oh my gosh like I feel like I've dated everybody in this area within this particular age bracket so why not just open it up like why not go on a few dates with some younger guys or like younger people and older people like why not I don't think that limiting yourself based on someone's birth year really makes sense and I'll say this as well, is I think in any relationship, it's really hard with external opinions. And I think it's really hard when they come from your friends and your family. And my kind of 
gauge on that is if everyone in your life is kind of saying the same thing and, and like are concerned about something to do with your relationship, it's probably worth taking some notice because, you know, these are people that really care about you. But if it's just coming from like a couple of people, but like there are people close to you who are really supportive, then I think have a real think about whether these people have your best interests at heart or whether they're actually just talking from their own insecurities or anxieties. You know, I think when you get into a long-term relationship, it really throws the balance of like everything else around you to a degree. And sometimes I have had friends that, you know, have been just like saying stuff that wasn't really helpful and was kind of like negative about my relationship. And uh, at the end of the day, it was because they, I think, were just anxious about how it was going to change like our relationship. So that's another one for you, Amy. Just a little extra tip at the end. All right. Jamie, 27, Canberra. This is a hectic one. Are you ready? Sometimes I still use my ex's nudes to masturbate. Is that normal? Okay. Let's start with is normal is not the right word here. Okay. It is absolutely normal to masturbate to sexy photos. That is extremely normal. Um, Don't feel weird that you're still attracted to your ex because I think that you can be physically attracted to somebody but also not want to be with them anymore. However, this opens a whole can of worms in the ethics department, okay? So I remember I sent like sexy pictures to somebody um, when we were just like hooking up, like it wasn't anything serious and they – so respectfully messaged me when things ended because I had to kind of send one of those messages that was like, hey, like I've met someone, Um, I can't keep sleeping with you, Uh, thanks for the fun times, peace sign, you know. And they sent me the best message. They said, it's been fun, all the best. Also letting you know I've deleted the photos that you sent me. And I was like, oh, my God, that is the hottest thing anyone could ever say to me, I reckon, because – When you send sexy photos to somebody, you're doing so within a kind of like a trust bond, right? Even if it's just someone you're hooking up with, even if it's just like someone you barely know, unless specified, you are sending them that photo for their use and their use only while that trust bond is in place. Now, when you break up, usually that trust bond is severed. That means that, you know, you probably don't want that person looking at your nudes anymore. So unless you speak to your ex and you say, hey, how do you feel about me keeping your nudes? I would be deleting them right now and not masturbating to them anymore because really they're not your property and it's super unethical to be looking at, using, sharing anybody's nudes without their consent and it just kind of essentially like it's a real gray area because there was consent originally but I'm gonna say most likely if you've broken up that consent has been taken away hey if you really want to if you've got a good relationship with them if you broke up amicably and they're pretty open with stuff and and you know all of that like by all means like ask the question but look if they say no or if you feel like they'd say no and you don't want to ask the question delete those photos yeah that's my answer jamie okay anastasia 35 brizzy i don't love my partner anymore but we live together and have all the same friends i don't know how to leave the relationship oh anastasia this is such a hard one 
Oh my goodness. I, to be fair, I have actually like, Tom is my longest relationship. I've never had like a super long relationship um, where I was living with anybody else, but I have had so many friends that have had to go through this. I have lived through it through them. It's really, really hard to end a long-term relationship, even though you know you want to leave because there's so many more factors involved than just your feelings. Like when you're not living with somebody and you are just dating them and maybe you've been dating for a year, two years and you, you know, the love fades or you change or they change and you're just like, it's not there anymore. I don't want to be with this person. I know for sure that I want to leave. It, you know, it can be difficult emotionally, but it's not going to be difficult logistically. Like you can walk away. And so it's often a bit easier to like, you know, pull the plug and just go, yep, we're done. And then you go and grieve it and then you move on, right? Oh my gosh, when you've got a house together and you've got all the same friends and you've really like built a life together with this person and you've, you know, gotten to this point in life where you've realized I don't want to spend the rest of my life with them. I want to leave. And for whatever reason that may be, it's so hard. So firstly, I'm so sorry you're going through this. It's the worst, worst experience. But I think that the way to do it is to compartmentalize and do it in stages. So first up, start looking at places that you can rent. I think when you can get a bit of a structure in place of like, oh, okay, like I can move out of this home. I can break this lease. Like basically collect your information. Like what are the prices looking like to move out? Like are there share houses around? Like how much is it going to cost if we break the lease? And I honestly think it's fine to do this on the secret because, you know, you're just getting gathering information at this point. Like you are not fully 100% at the point where you're going to split up yet. You're just... I think creating almost the safety net so that you know that you can jump, right? I also think, and this is just because I've seen friends who have split up with long-term partners who, where the partner is split up with them and has given them absolutely no like warning that it is worth having a hard convo with your partner about how things aren't really working and how you're feeling. And you never know, they may actually say, yeah, I also feel like it hasn't been working for a while. And if they do say that, that's going to make life so much easier. You're going to have such an amicable split and you can probably even like get the ball rolling sooner. But I really do think it's fair to the other person to like kind of give them a heads up by saying that. And look, I don't know. It depends really. Like I can't say because I don't know your situation, but like if you're having doubts, but you're not like fully off it, not into it anymore. Maybe try couples therapy because I've seen some friends go through couples therapy and really like overcome some significant issues just because they actually went and talked to a professional and like had those big conversations and, you know, really delved into stuff. So I'm a big, 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 big supporter of couples therapy. I think that we all look at it like it's some kind of toxic thing for like toxic couples or it's for old people. No, it is so healthy to go to a couples therapist. Every relationship is going to have its issues, especially long-term ones. You are always going to run into periods where you're not connecting, where things like, you know, you, you run up against issues that you just can't get over. So I'm a big fan of couples therapy. Go do that if it feels right for you. But look, if you even if you know for sure you want to split up, I think just gently like raising how you're feeling will at least prepare your partner for a breakup. So you could just sort of be like, hey, like 
I'm feeling really disconnected. I don't know what's going on. Like I'm just kind of figuring some stuff out and I wanted to let you know, like even if you want to keep it vague that way. And that also like allows you both to figure stuff out because it, it kind of lets them start to process a potential breakup without just being completely blindsided with I'm moving out, I found an apartment, see you later, it's done and dusted, you know? Like I'm sure you still care about this person. So that I think is fair on them. And then look, when it comes to the mutual friends, mutual friends is hard. I actually have mutual friends with an ex of mine, but I will say that like for the first year of like splitting up, I distanced myself a bit from them. They were his friends first, to be fair. Um, So it might be a bit different for you, but yeah, like I kind of just, it was too painful. Like their name's just going to come up every now and then. Also, ugh, you don't want to know if they're dating other people. You don't want to know about all that stuff. Trust me, because I have gone down the road where I asked the mutual friends. I did not like the answer. So I really feel like it's okay to distance yourself. I think let them know. Just say, hey, me and Bob... <laughs> Bob is an amazing name for a person. (laughs) Me and Bob have broken up. I just need to let you know that I need a little bit of space. I still really want to be friends, but I'm just going to need like a little bit of time to, you know, heal. Um, And then I absolutely would love to maintain our friendship in the future. They're going to be so understanding of that. Everybody understands what a breakup feels like. Everybody understands that need for some space, you know. I always, <laughs> I think this is just because I'm watching so much Vanderpump Rules at the moment because of the whole um, scandal and I only just got into the show because I'm super stale and I've taken this long to get into it. But I think about it on that show all the time. Like whenever they go through breakups, all these friendships dissipate and then come back together down the track when things have healed a bit. Um, I think it's totally normal to do that. And I also think it's not as normal to compare real life to a reality TV show. But here we are. Look, Anastasia, you being in that relationship when you don't want to be in it is actually more unfair to your partner than you hurting them by leaving. But also for your own security, it's totally fine to sort of just get the lay of the land. But yeah, just I think it's really nice to give them a bit of a heads up with where you're at emotionally before pulling the plug. Now, we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health, even assistance to help you quit vaping. And it's all delivered to your door or inbox thanks to their innovative online health service. So say buck that and get online by visiting yuli at yuli.com.au to get your health sorted. Look, we're going to go on to Nat from Melbourne, first Melbourne person we've got in this list so far. They have said, I'm seeing a guy who told me they want to take it slow because they've just recently split from an ex. Is that a red flag? Whew, that is a big one. Look, red flags are always, always, always grounds for walking away. And I'm talking about proper red flags here. Like when I think of a red flag, okay, I think of something that completely does not align with your values or prevents them entirely from being emotionally available to you, right? So the values part is probably applicable both to casual hookups and casual relationships and 
long term. And then the emotional availability part is probably more just for long term. Like if you are just like wanting to like hook up with this person, who cares, right? Like if you don't have feelings for them, you can just go ahead and hook up with them because you will be taking it slow because it it's not serious to you, right? But if you want to get serious with this person, this could be a red flag, but it also may not be. And it's all going to come down to what your needs are right now. So for example, if this question's come up and you've only been on a date or two, maybe see how it goes because they obviously want to keep seeing you because they haven't said, hey, I'm not ready for this because I've just broken up with an ex. They've just said they want to take it slow. So if you're happy with taking it slow at this point, go ahead. And then I guess revisit it when your feelings deepen or those needs change and you want more from this person. And if things aren't progressing the way you want to, then be like, hey, bring it up again and be like, so like, are we still taking this slow? Are you my partner right now? Because I would like you to be my partner. On the flip side, if you've been seeing this person for like a month and you've been seeing them like a lot and then suddenly they pull this, I want to take it slow because I just broke up with an ex card, that screams red flag to me and I reckon pull the pin. And the reason I say that is because you need to listen to the words coming out of someone's mouth because what we often do in relationships is that we go, oh, but we went out five times last week. Oh, but they like cuddled me this way in bed. Oh, but I met their friends. I met their mom. I met like, you know, their boss. They took me to this wedding. We do all this stuff and we go off these actions, but then repeatedly that person is saying things to us that say, I am not invested in you and, or I can't be invested in you or, you know, my values do not align with yours. My, what I need from this relationship doesn't align with you. And I'll give you a personal example. I used to see this guy and they always said really nice stuff. Like you're the most amazing girl I've ever met. I met all their friends. I would go to all their events. I would be like, I met their brother. I met like all sorts of people but they never wanted to see me more than once a week. Like they always like prioritized going out with friends or like taking long work shifts, like all that stuff always over me. And I ended up in this place where I was so low, like my self-esteem was in the gutter. And it was in hindsight because my needs from that relationship was someone that would put me number one. And I think that's just been a need for me always in relationships, I want to be first priority. Like obviously within reason, like you can still see your friends. You can still like take shifts some weeks. You Maybe we won't see each other as much or whatever. But in general, I wanted somebody who was like, I just want to spend time with you. I'm going to like shuffle things around in my week to make time for you and make your priority, right? That was just two lots of needs that didn't align because it's actually not wrong for that guy not to prioritize me. Like that doesn't make him a bad guy. That actually was just, I guess, a red flag for me because what I wanted, he couldn't give me. So in this case, if you're fine taking it slow, like genuinely fine with it, and you're genuinely okay that they're probably going to be dealing with emotional fallout from this ex-relationship, go ahead. That's fine. That's not a red flag for you. But if you can't honestly say that that's chill, like if that's going to make you insecure, if you're going to be thinking, are they always constantly texting their ex? If you're going to be checking their phone, if you're going to be stalking the ex, mm -mm, 
this isn't good. Something is is not aligned here. And I'm not saying like end it. I'm saying maybe give it a little bit of time. But if you're feeling more crappy than you are feeling good, you need to voice your needs. It's not wrong to have needs. That's what my therapist told me. Um, And it's actually just stuck with me for so long. Our needs are our needs. It's so okay for you to want to be with someone who is over their ex. It's okay for you to want to be the priority. It is okay for you if you want to go faster than the relationship is going, just like it's okay for them to not be over their ex yet. And it's okay for them to want to take things slow. It just means that maybe if you can't find a compromise or you can't find a way to make things match up, that they're not the right person for you. And that's, you know, time to walk away. So look, I hope that it all works out for you, Nat. But look, if it doesn't, there'll be somebody else. Trust me. Moving on to Chris, which is funny because Chris, 22 Melbourne, their question is kind of like the flip side of Nat's question. (laughs) Um, They've said, I can't stop going back to my recent ex. Any tips for moving on? Who has not been in this position? Actually, I do have a friend who is really good at cutting off all contact with their exes. And it is like alarming to a borderline psychopathic level where they're just like able to like draw that line in the sand and move on. And I'm so jealous of it because that was never me. I am a Pisces through and through. I am a lover. I get so hung up on exes and it takes me like, I can have an, I can have someone I dated for like two months and it can take me like six months or more to get over them. And some of my most like difficult to process past relationships were under four months long. And that's fine, everybody. If you're the same as me, that is fine. But look, going back to an ex, oh, it's so hard because, and I'm I'm going to talk about this from like an empathetic place, because I think that we all know that the general answer is don't go back to your ex, move on. It's toxic, blah, blah, blah. But like in the moment, it is not that easy. And I think breakups are messy. I think that messiness is fine. I think that it's pretty impressive. Anybody that can, like my friend, that can just move on from a past relationship and not be like stuck in a bit of a cycle for a while. So I'm going to give you more tips on getting to a place where you don't want to go back to your ex as much. So first things first, date again, get back on the apps go out with some people. Hey, I'm also a bit of a fan of like going out and hooking up with some people. It's good. It, it really like makes you realize that. And like, I say that as long as you're comfortable doing that, obviously, but it really helps to even just go on a date with someone, right? Even just, just flirt with someone on an app. If you're not comfortable meeting up with someone yet, it just helps so much to get your mojo back, to get your like energy or like sexy energy back. Because when we go through a breakup and usually an ex that we can't stop going back to is an ex that broke up with us, right? Like most of the time when we're trying to move on from it, it's because they broke up with us and we can't stop like running when they call or like texting them when we're drunk or whatever. Often that's because we just don't feel like we can find anybody else that's going to make us feel the way that they did. And you will. And the craziest part is that you actually will feel that. Like I was just talking to a friend about this who went through a really bad breakup and she was like, Mel, like, oh my God, I went on this date and I just felt it again, like just feeling a spark with somebody else, even though it didn't go anywhere, even though it was just one date, just the fact that I was sitting across from somebody 
and sparks were flying and we were like flirting and joking and like banter. That made me feel like that part of myself had come alive again. And so I really encourage going out with other people. You're not going to immediately get over your ex from doing that. You're probably actually going to finish the date sometimes and feel sad. You might go on some crappy dates and you think, oh gosh, I'm never going to meet anyone else. But you will eventually go on a date where there's some sort of little spark there. And it's really just good for you to realize there are other people out there because we get really close-minded, I think, and like narrow like blinkers on when we're obsessed with an ex. So that's the first thing. The second one is don't go get wasted. I look, do what you want generally, but like the nights that I would go out and like drink to, I guess, like diminish my sadness just made me way more sad. And that's when I would do dumb stuff like text next and go over and hook up with them and then wake up and be like, oh God, I'm back at stage one again. Like, and just feel crappy. And then the next day they'd be like, I'm going to work. Sorry. See ya. And like, give me like a high five. And I would hate myself. Like, and I'd go get like a servo pie for breakfast. That was a particular low point, but also servo pies are actually kind of good for breakfast. Just as a side note, if anyone wants to try that, but I digress. Basically it was usually the nights that I would like keep drinking, even though I was feeling more sad and more sad that I would do dumb stuff. So if you go out with friends, like go out, because I think going out and staying busy is going to be my next point. So go out, go to all the parties, go to all the events, go to all the dinners. But if you're drinking and you're noticing that it's not making you happy, it's making you feel sad, stop. Just stop. Just don't drink and hang out anyway. Or or if you are just getting sadder and sadder anyway, just being out, just go home. Your friends are going to understand. Like if you need to bail on that party an hour after getting there and just go home and like lie down in front of, you know, some RuPaul's Drag Race, that is a great night. And you went out and you did the thing and then you went home and that's okay, you know? Um, because like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide into the next the next piece of advice, which is staying busy. I think it is really, really good to keep yourself busy because that's gonna help you move on past the attachment to this person. You're filling up your life with stuff. You're so distracted through the grief that you can't like sit and wallow and then make regretful decisions. But it's also at the same time, yeah, totally fine to go out and then go home earlier than you normally would when you're in a happy place because you're not in a happy place. You're in a bit of a sad place and you're feeling a bit crap. And I think you're just less likely to wallow into a spiral that makes you text your ex if you stay busy and then go home, in my experience at least. And look, lastly, block them on social media. It seems really harsh. Can I be honest with you? They're not even going to notice. This is like hard truths, Mel, coming through here. But like they are not stalking you. They are not looking at your profile. They are not going to notice. Trust me because I have done it and I have absolutely known that the person did not notice because then down the track when we became friends years and years later and I unblocked them and followed them, they were like, oh, when did you unfollow me? And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, embarrassing. (laughs) But look, block them because it's really tempting to like constantly keep tabs on their life 
And that constant tabs keeping is what keeps you attached to them as well. You don't want to know anything about their life. You don't want to know if they've got a new job. You don't want to know if they've gone out on a Saturday night. You don't want to know if they're seeing anyone new, okay? You want zero information about this person until you are rebuilt enough to handle it without it making you spiral or want to go back to them, okay? So I'm a really big fan, yeah, of just like block, delete, block the number, block their Instagram, delete the number. And if you want to, if it really freaks you out, send the number to your best friend and then block it and delete it so that someone's got it. God forbid you absolutely need to call them or something. But, you know, like just do whatever you can to erase ways that you can contact them easily because the harder it is to contact them, the more time your brain has to go, hang on a minute, is this really a good decision? Is this really what I want to do? Yeah, that's my piece of advice for that. But I'm also just going to give you one little last tidbit where I actually am a big fan of, and I've talked about this online before, the closure text. So lots of people make jokes about me for this because I'll be like, Mel, you'll always send this essay to an ex. And it is like, truly, I mean, I am a writer. I feel like you can forgive me for this, right? But it will truly be like, oh my gosh, 1000 words long. But it's a text that basically covers off everything that I wanted them to know. Because I think when someone breaks up with you, you go through this process where you're like, oh my gosh, like what if they don't know that, you know, I I wanted things to be serious? What if they don't know I was going through some stuff and like, I'm not always like, I don't know, whatever. And I'm going to be honest with you here and say that like if they were really right for you and it was they really had feelings for you, most of the stuff that you could do is not going to put, put them off. But hey, you want to say it. So send that text, send one big long text, get the reply, which I'm going to tell you right now is most likely going to be some polite version of thanks so much for letting me know my position has not changed. See you later. Um, but do it. It's a really, honestly, it has given me a bit of closure because then when my brain goes back to, oh, but maybe I need to talk to them because of this, or, oh, maybe I need to go see them because of this. My brain can be like, no, you already said that to them and you got their response. So that is one last little bit of advice for you, Nat. All right, last one. And this is the one that I probably get asked the most besides the age gap question, because I, like I said, I have gone through relationship anxiety kind of my whole life and it's really debilitating. And it's also something that up until recently, I didn't really find people talking about online and it made me feel weird and strange and like I something was wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with you, Georgie, 30 from Melbourne. How do you get past relationship anxiety? I can't seem to make any of my relationships last because I panic and can't stay. Oh, do I feel you, Georgie? Look, I'm going to tell you the only way to get past relationship anxiety is years of therapy. Look, in my circumstance, at the very least, I saw a doctor, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and OCD and ended up being put on antidepressants and they have greatly improved my life. That is not advice for you because you should always speak to a doctor about anything medical, but just being honest, that's a part of it for me. But therapy, therapy, therapy all the way. Like I said, I'm a big fan of therapy. It is a proper like mental health thing. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, me and Georgie, relationship anxiety is essentially, I would say, a repeated pattern where you get into a relationship and you get anxious about that relationship and you might get thoughts like, is this person the one? Do I definitely love them? Is this who I want to be with? 
What if I want to be with somebody else? What if this isn't the right relationship? What does love look like? All those kinds of questions that circle around the rightness of that relationship and whether it's right for you, whether it's right in general. I would say it's less to do with their behavior, like not like questions like, are they a bad person or are they, um, you know, like it's not really about red flags. It's more to do with how you feel and how you perceive that relationship. It's a really hard one because obviously they are thoughts that some people go through when they know that a relationship isn't right. So that's really where your brain gets you and that's how the anxiety starts is because these are historically and socially questions that we've been told mean no, that relationship is not right. If you are questioning it, it's absolutely not right. The only right relationship is one that you don't question. Firstly, I'm going to tell you right now that I've talked to so many people, like friends of mine in amazing, healthy relationships who are like, "Ah, Mel, uh, yes, I have questioned my relationship. I had one friend. Oh, I'll always remember this. She gave me the best advice. She was like, I love my partner, but we have ups and downs. And one month, maybe I will be really in love and they will be kind of disconnected. And then another month, it might be the flip way where they're disconnected. And one month, it'll be the other way where I'm disconnected and they're super in love. And then sometimes we'll have really great long periods where we're both just super in love with each other. And she said the worst parts are when we're both feeling disconnected, but it's all waves, right? So firstly, do not think that everyone else is in some sort of like blossoming perfect relationship where they never ever have any doubts about their partner. I think everybody has doubts about their relationship repeatedly. I mean, like not just like one time and then they get married, but like everyone goes through seasons just like in life, right? Like in life, you do not like say get a job and then permanently be happy in that job. You do not get a friend and then be permanently happy with that friend and you never have doubts. You never like dislike them or get annoyed at them or have down periods. You never have period, you know, you always have periods in your job where you're like, I'm not really satisfied right now, or I'm going through a bit of a funk. Like, I don't know why we can't accept that like relationships will always have the same kind of patterns as life does because life is ups and downs. It's not perfect and neither are relationships. So I'll say that to start with, but look, The thing, the difference really with relationship anxiety to me is the pattern of it and also the health of that relationship. Like I will say from my experience, I have had multiple relationships where things started out so amazing. I was so besotted with them. I was like heart eyes, obsessed. And then I would have this snap moment, like I talked about with the ick, where I all of a sudden wanted to run And I would just be like, oh my God, I can't be in this anymore. Like my whole body just wanted to exit the relationship. I used to get panic attacks. It's like proper, like couldn't breathe, couldn't function. Hence why I ended up being diagnosed with anxiety disorder and panic disorder and put on medication. But look, that's not necessarily going to be what you need. But, you know, it was really debilitating for me, like really, really debilitating. But it may not be debilitating for you. It may just be that you really would just like to be happy and not be constantly doubting or questioning your relationship and figuring out whether it's right or not. And basically, I always had a tipping point. And then when I was younger, it was really hard to move past that. And I'll be honest, I actually broke up with guys that I probably could have made a really amazing life with because I wasn't mature enough to handle 
handle that anxiety. I didn't understand it yet. I, I wasn't properly taking care of myself mentally. I wasn't seeing psychologists. Um, you know, I really just, I, I really just didn't get it. But now, like, I definitely got it when I got together with Tom, and I still occasionally get it with different things. But I see a psychologist now, and when I'm going through one of those periods, I go, oh, time to go see the therapist again, and just like, you know get a recheck in and just talk things through again and remind myself my patterns in my past. So I think firstly, look for patterns. Has this happened repeatedly for you in many different relationships? Maybe then it's more to do with you and not to do with the relationship. And then I think the other like sort of half to that solution is the health of the relationship. Are you mostly happy? Does this person treat you well? Do you enjoy time with them for the most part? Do you know, like if, if, if them making you laugh is important, do they make you laugh? If them having deep conversations with you is important, do you have those deep conversations? Like do you overall generally really like this person? Are they very important to you? Would it really hurt if you broke up? Would you be really sad? Would you miss them? I think they're all really good questions to ask to kind of ground yourself and pull yourself out of that anxiety spiral and and back to like a place of of balance and and reality because, you know, like maybe, hey, you ask yourself those questions and you go, oh, I actually really don't like spending time with them. I'm not really attracted to them for the most part. And, you know, you may you may have those answers to those questions, which might mean that it's not anxiety and it's just your yourself telling yourself that, you know, you don't want to be in this relationship. But also it's just a really hard one with anxiety because a lot of people will always say, trust your gut, just trust your gut. What's your gut telling you? I'm going to tell you right now that people that are anxious do not have a gut. Oh my gosh, I cannot connect with my gut. I have never had a strong gut feeling about anything, but you know what I have had is dating scenarios, people I've been dating, relationships where I just didn't want to be with that person and I didn't have anxiety about that. And so for me personally, I'm not saying this is for you, but for me personally, my experience with relationship anxiety has been if I am overwhelmed with anxiety and hand wringing and questioning, it's actually because I do like this person. I'm just freaking out about commitment. And the times where I've been like, ugh, I just really don't want to go out with them. Oh, I don't want to go. I'm bored, whatever. Like I just, and I'm quite happy to just cancel dates and not go to see them. That's been when I just haven't liked them. So yeah. And, I, and I'll look, I'll tell you this from myself with Tom, because I think it's like, for me being a really positive story is that I got all these feelings and it felt like the first relationship where I was able to sit with the discomfort of the uncertainty of where things were going to head and with all those what ifs. And I found that over time being with my partner, I have felt that kind of less and less or at the very least in a more manageable way and in waves. And I've had like the periods where I feel comfortable and happy and secure are longer and the periods where I'm in a bit of a hole and I'm spiraling are shorter and they're usually tied to like new levels of commitment in the relationship. And that has really reaffirmed for me again that that's anxiety 
playing in that space and not necessarily my real feelings. But hey, I'm also on a journey here with this. And I really think, again, relationship anxiety is something that hasn't been talked about as much. I want to give you some amazing resources that I love. There are two Instagram accounts I'm obsessed with. One is called You Love and You Learn. And the other one is called The Anxious Love Coach. And they're both these amazing like coaches. They both went through relationship anxiety and they talk about it a lot. And they share some really cool like advice that has really helped me in the past. So that is all of my questions that I've been sent. Uh, That is also time for me to say goodbye. And thank you so much again for listening to Love Rant's podcast. And I will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment, and preciousness of love and self-love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.